RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Today's episode is sponsored by Optimum Nutrition. To get a 40% discount across their entire batch-tested range, use the code RENEGADE40 at www.onacademy.co.uk forward slash elite portal. And of course, members of the Rugby Renegade online subscription program get an exclusive 50% discount plus free access to the Optimum Nutrition online nutrition course. Yes, welcome back to episode 77 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name is Jamie Bain and today I interview Spencer Goggin, Head of Strength Conditioning with Western Force Rugby in Perth, Australia. Tons of uh, interesting topics covered, uh, including breathing, uh, which has been popularised by Oxygen Advantage and uh, Warrior Breathing book that's come out recently. Um, we talk about dealing with COVID-19, of course, we're still talking about that. This was recorded a while back, but you know we're back in third lockdown, I think, in the UK, so hopefully get some good insights into that. Uh, and of course, talk about speed development, change of direction, um, and Spencer, some really good insights to that. And just kind of living and working in Australia. I've been fortunate enough to visit a few times, got family over there. And it's just nice to hear what, what it's like, um, you know, as an SNC coach working in, in Australian sport. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hi, Spencer. Welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Great to have you on. Let's start by you telling us a little bit about your background, how you got into strength and conditioning and who you've worked with. Hey, Matt. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be on here. Uh, this is actually my first podcast, so be nice. Oh, wow. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... My background, um, I worked as a head of strength and conditioning coach in a school in Oxford for a long time. I was there for five years. Um, I've also done some, you know, various interning roles with Worcester Warriors, uh, Cardiff City Football, um, the Western Force, which is where I'm at now as a, a full-time S&C coach, uh, and the, you know, some various other roles along the way. Um, yeah, so I'm the Englishman down under working in S&C. Cool. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll touch back about uh, working with kind of uh, sort of developing players from your work at, at school in Oxford a bit later on. But just, just to kind of start, get the ball rolling, what's kind of your, and I know it's not an easy question to answer, you know, in short form, but what, what's your SNC philosophy or what's, what's your kind of system, your approach to, to developing athletes? To developing athletes. Um, so my system, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's ever changing, and I know it might be a bit of a, a fluffy answer, but um, I don't know if you follow the work of a guy called Stu McMillan who, who runs Altis. Um, yeah. he, he's probably one of my go-to coaches when I, whenever I want to learn something about myself or about my programming. Um, and so, so my system is really, it's more of a framework that, that guides people along. I wouldn't say that I'm very assessment-driven or uh, test-retest-driven. I see most every session every time you interact with an athlete is a chance to assess what's happening yeah uh, and and so my system would, would work around would work around that um yeah so for the developing guys uh, what i did when i was at the school is we put together quite a loose five-year plan from when they arrived uh year seven through to when they left us at, at year 12. Uh, and we had we had um Quite a lot of success as a sports department when we were there. I think 
upon my arrival, the department had grown from three coaches to 12. So there was a big emphasis placed on developing um, sport in the school when I got there. And we ended up producing players that went on to, you know, representative honours and national honours and things like that. And, and the biggest piece of advice I would give to coaches who are in that space is, you know, there's a lot of content out there and we, there's overstimulated, I imagine, as coaches nowadays, but it's always trying to put content into context. So giving, just understanding what you're about as a coach and where you're at with that athlete and knowing exactly what they need. And, and really trying not to overcomplicate the process when, when you're with them. Yeah, no, no, I like that, that philosophy. And you say that it, it kind of, it's a changing thing. I think when I first started, it was, it was like, right, I'm going to work really hard and find out the best, the best sort of approach, the best program system, whatever. And then, and then that's me done and I'll just perfect it. But over years, you've, you find that it, it develops what environment you're in, what athletes you're using. And, and like say, you're learning from people like Stuart McMillan, you know, there's, there's, there is tons of good stuff out there and it's kind of finding a way to, to add that in or, or tweak what you're currently doing based on what you're learning. Cause yeah, there is tons tons more great stuff coming out there. Yeah. Uh, um, sorry, mate. You don't, okay. just, you don't want to be a, a disciple to something would be the, the caveat I'd put on that is, is don't just affiliate yourself with, um, like one of these schools of thought because there's definite pros to a few things but it's also you know as you become more experienced as a coach you know things to cast aside that just don't fit what you think and that's that's as much a skill as any I, I believe yeah definitely um, now there's quite a lot of stuff coming out um, whether it's books or research on, on kind of breathing um, and and using it for performance. What what sort of stuff have you have you used in terms of breathing for performance and recovery and things? Uh, so I actually I'm really pleased you asked this question because this is something that I've just been doing with the lads over the last couple <laughs> of weeks. So, <laughs> and this we use uh, some of the postural restoration institute stuff, or I've had a little bit of an exposure with that. And, and the more I read into it and understand how uh, hip and rib position affects movement quality, um, that is one of our. It's part of our prep work pre gym is uh, to understand how to use your kind of your deeper core muscles. And I know that's a bit of a buzzword, but your internal obliques and how they connect your rib cage to your pelvis and uh, how hip issues or movement issues from the hip down uh, can be more heavily relaxed. So if you've got someone with knee valgus, and it doesn't mean you just have to throw a band around their knees uh, and that is going to solve the problem because, you know, that's some external feedback. We know that's a good cue. Let's do that. You can go up the chain a bit and say, hey, look, this person has got, um, you know, has uh, got a toned up right internal oblique and a tone down left okay so they need to do some more work uh, with their rib position and their pelvis position if you can get alignment there and have a good breath before you move how does that then affect knee position okay maybe they don't need the band um, and you've you've solved that problem for them with them because uh, it's, it's kind of a case of internal versus external cueing and finding out what works but yeah i use breathing as like a primer for uh, pillar prep, turned, yeah, and then load guys it that way because um, coming off quite an extensive break with everything that's happened, um, you know, when guys go into big running volumes, you, they can pull up quite lower backy 
I know it's not a technical term, but um, quite stiff and, and sore through lumbar spine and, and teach you just reminding them, cueing them into good neutral position uh, is, is something that we're having great pay out of, I, I believe. And, and what sort of, um, what have you seen with the players and how they kind of responded to it? Our front rowers love it. The front rowers love it. We, we use it as part of uh, scrum primers as well as to, uh, they have a, like a, a three or four minute breath warmer. Um, and, and then they use that as they pack down and go through their engagement process. The all eight forwards will go through a, a breathing sequence to really engage their entire trunk from shoulder to hip and beyond. So that when, you know, you've got eight V eight and at this high level of, of rugby that we're playing, uh, the forces are huge. And so having uh, a stiff trunk through ways other than just, you know, your, um, what am I trying to say here? Through other ways than just, you know, you're doing your rollouts and doing your core work. How does breathing actually create tension and maintain tension? That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and I guess with those guys, that is that is key in the scrum. That's a that's a really good example of how to how to use it. Um, now, this question we we ask all the guests on the podcast, um, and again, maybe not an easy one to answer because there might be a few. But uh, what is the biggest mistake you think rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning? I think I'm going to go back to what I said a few minutes ago. Is is just knowing what you are about as a coach and not mistaking content with context. That's going to be something that I'll, I'll probably say a couple of times during this podcast is, um, yeah, you can have, you can have a, a loose fitting system, but that doesn't mean you're going to, you know, program like Rambo and just throw everything at it because players will see that you don't know what you don't want, if that makes sense. So if you're excluding things, they can see that there is, all right, well, we're doing this in the gym and this on field and the next block's got this in and we're doing this on field now. There is thought and methodology to your programming. Um, yeah, so I think that might, for me, that's, I don't use social media very often, which is why people might be listening to this podcast being like, who on earth is this bloke? Just because I don't, because it's, for that reason, you can get distracted and it will take away from um, where your coach's eye and where your thought is is, is going. When you watch a session and something comes up, if you then sit on Instagram, you're going to lose what you've seen that day. And, and that is where you're going to make progress as a coach. It's just going and reading from what you've seen and not scrolling through Instagram to try and find a solution. Yeah, I think you're right on, in terms of uh, one of the podcasts I had recently, with, um, Jason T was talking about multidisciplinary teams and saying one of the key things of them work well was having that clarity of vision. So I think you're right. If, you, if you're trying to cover every, every base by doing you know, any number of things, um, the players kind of lose that clarity of vision. So I think that's, mm. a, that's a really good point. Uh, what, what you're trying to achieve and the programming should you should look at it and, and know what you're trying to achieve, I suppose. Um, and, and then in terms of what about rugby players themselves, what mistakes do you see them making? Um, ooh, trying to throw anyone under the bus here. Um, <laughs> you don't have, to, don't have to single anyone out. No, 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 no. There'd be a few lads squirming in their seat now. No, um, 
I think it is, again, just people get excited and rush through things. So you can rush through uh, your prep and all of, however you, whatever method you use to, to find out whether it's the functional movement screen or more of a clinical assessment with a physio, uh, don't rush that stuff and don't rush warm up time. Um, if you're in season and you, know, you haven't got much access to speed training, if you do two warm-ups a, up a week, two warm-ups a week at least, okay, and if they're 15 minutes long, well, you've got two 15-minute windows for speed set for speed training. So if you're to get to training early, do your prep, make sure that it's quality. You've then got time to go and get your speed and agility training done during your warm-up or pre-warm-up. You know, if, um, that that would be my biggest uh, work on for for rugby players out there is that you can be gym strong, but genuine specific preparation only occurs on, on the field. All your general prep and you, um, like us, you know, your uh, bonded chuck style exercises, your general prep and your specific developmental prep kind of thing. I don't know if they're exact right terms, but you know where I'm going. Um, they can be fine in the gym, but actually out on the field, that's where you're going to make your money. Yeah, definitely. And, and on that, we, we kind of spoke uh, off air about this, uh, obviously, the, the, the situation with the COVID-19 and um, having to adapt to kind of training in sort of social distancing uh, means. Um, how, how, have you, how have you done that? And I, I know like we're talking about developing speed for, you know, on the pitch. How, how have you done that around the, the environment? How do you normally do it, I guess, as well? and develop change of direction speed that carries over onto the pitch? Yeah, so um, we were fairly fortunate in Perth. We didn't get it uh, quite as bad, definitely not as bad as the UK or the States. We were in quite a lucky position. I think we had uh, still um, 100 people passed away, which is very sad, but I know that's a significant improvement on the rest of the world. So I, we managed to find a way to train during COVID uh, we had a two-week mandatory lockdown, and then throughout April we uh, ran a one-to-one rotation. So there was four coaches on a field, all with appropriate social distancing. There was no shared equipment, so every player was given a ball, um, and we just managed to make it work. Uh, so we we were we got together as a coaching staff, and we got quite creative with the drills that we were going to roll out during that time, and. It actually provided me with an opportunity to teach the players how to execute drills correctly. So even things like the skipping and marching drills, stuff that gets rolled out all the time, how to do those well and how to do a wall, a wall drill really well and what, why do we do wall drills? All these kind of questions I posed to the players because some of these guys have been training for 10 years and uh, you know we're still just developing a a working knowledge of all right, why am I doing this and what does good feel like? What's the correct position to be in when I'm doing an overhead A march? Um, so, so that's what that four weeks was about. And we've seen a really good uh, translation of that time into uh, our uh, preparation phase now as we're coming into competition. You know, the coaching has almost, it's still going on, but when you have 15 players in front of you all moving at the same time it, your cues are a bit more generic uh, they're still like they're still very focused they're for the whole group rather than player by player 
uh, at that time. Um, so that's, that's what we did. And we've also moved all of our stationary wall drills and our more mechanical drills into gym sessions or as part of our, again, part of our preparation for gym sessions. So when they're on field, you're moving. And when you're in the gym, you can practice. You know, we have time with you there to say, hey, you know, if you're in a wall drill, let's make sure you're up, you know, all, all your standard cues, but you've got time with players to really, really refine good position and good shapes. Yeah, I think that ties into your, your last answer as well. That That's been a bit of a bugbear of mine when you're doing kind of speed mechanics warming up for a speed session and you get some of the players who are literally just going through the motions. And when you've got a big group, it's hard to keep an eye on, on everyone and, like you say, get those individual cues. And when now you've had that four weeks, you've been able to do it one-on-one and really, one, give them the good individual cueing, but also kind of explain the reasoning behind doing it. Um, they'll actually go through and then normally when you're doing warm-ups as a team they'll they won't just go through the motions they'll they'll do it to get something out of it and that's often I think a lot of players just think oh we're warming up now it's it's just you know generic warm-ups it's not you can still get a training effect from those drills that's, that's partly why you do it um, so yeah I think that's a, a really good point and then what about um, what about change of direction how do you how do you approach that with your players yeah so we took um, I took the same approach uh, initially, so we spent one day refining um, like speed technique, and then we'd go through um, some more multi-directional stuff. Um, but I, I, I've taken some of the, the Franz Bosch ideas and some of the I don't know if you heard of John Pryor, some of his robust yeah. running ideas, and I am just tinkering with a few of those at the minute and trying to find a way to make them fit what I'm what I'm doing with my players to improve their change of direction. So we've included lots of like lateral sled drags and uh, frontal, frontal plane loaded lateral work in their gym sessions. And then, um, as you've just said, you know, part of your warm up, it doesn't have to be going through the motions. That is an ideal opportunity to uh, start to implement. You can think of it as a speed session if you wanted to, you know, you'd start every speed session with your form drilling. So. If, if that's going to frame it in a way that means that you're going to be more focused during that time, then then go for it. Um, and we've been we've been uh, trialing warm-ups that reflect what's about to come in the session. Um, and so our speed days, uh, we tend to do you know kick chase drills, and the boys will be moving quickly. Uh, and our agility uh, sessions come before our team days, so we do um, kind of perception and reaction stuff. So they'll be catching multicolored balls, they'll be using their peripherals, um, and then we roll into some change of direction stuff. So it's kind of stimulating them neurally in something that is not contextual to then try and apply some context to it. And then we'll also try and uh, disturb their nervous system with, you know, aqua bags, all these other things. That, and it's also, that's like a, bit of an Instagrammy buzzy thing, but if you know why you're doing it, again, if you have context for this content, then just dripping little bits of that in. It's quite effective, you know, and it's fun for the lads, so they're instantly more engaged if something's enjoyable. Lots of games, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Franz Bosch and John Pryor, is that they've been big influences in that type of uh, approach? Yeah, fairly recently. Um, use, I know it's, you know, you try and use the time when you're not coaching to, uh, upskill yourself and I was I read Franz Bosch's uh, 
you know, dynamical systems theory book about five years ago. Refreshed that and uh, John Pryor's name came up uh, and I was looking around and started to read more about his robust running approach. And I thought that's, you know, that's packaged that idea up really nicely. Um, and so that's one that I would, you know, for coaches that are interested in how to apply that uh, concept in, to, to a rugby specific environment in a way that is quite nice for players to understand, that's, that would be where I'd start. That would be a recommendation. Again, we've, we, we spoke off air about this a lot as well. Um, it's just kind of, I guess, based in the UK here, we'd, we'd love to sort of hear what life is like in Oz working in rugby and and also kind of the the, the difference in, in how you, you're training with the, the kind of Southern Hemisphere rugby players. Yeah, it's, uh, do you know what? It is as good as everyone thinks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, certainly as cliches about the weather and all those sorts of things, but it's a really, really nice place to, to live and work. Um, it, you've got to take a bit of a punt, you know. It was... Um, yeah, it's not all sunshine and roses. You'll learn a lot about yourself if you do want to take take the jump and think, I'm going to come over here. And, you know, I, I was working in a school. I enjoyed where I worked. I had, uh, you know, lots of friends. I was close to my family. Uh, it was Things were going well, but I, I really knew deep down that there was, this is something that I'd always wanted to do. So, um, you know, I, I interned again for six, seven months and... Um, that was unfortunately at the same period of time where the Western Force uh, things weren't working out as they'd have hoped, is the way I'll put that. Um, and, and, you know, I took probably a two year sabbatical away from coaching after that. I went and became a scuba dive instructor. I, I took some time to uh, just really understand what I'm about as a, as a person and how that would help me when I came back to coaching uh, be a better coach. And so I, I would read books on philosophy on you know other thought thought leaders from business and all these other different things and um it, it kind of I, I i would say that time when i went away and, and you know taking a big punt and it not working out straight away for me which is you know what you'd hope isn't it you don't think i'm gonna move around the world and then it's all gonna kind of go wrong um that time was it couldn't have come at a better time looking back on it i learned so much about myself and you know, it, it's horrible to say that because it's like, oh, I went traveling and learned a lot about myself. You sound like one of those guys, but um, it's also, it was more so the things that didn't quite go as I planned was the time that I learned most. And yeah, I, I'd say for anyone that, that wants to um, take a risk and make the jump, reach out, get in touch. You know, and um, I know we spoke about, about this before as well. Um, it's it's not easy, but yeah, I'm I'm willing to lend a hand wherever I can. And so, if people want some help, then please reach out and get in touch. That's cool and very very generous as well. Um, and in terms of Western Force, what what's kind of the future? I don't want to put you on the spot, but is the, is there a, a progression plan to eventually get back into Super Rugby? Or um, yeah, there's look. We're not looking really beyond the competition that's coming up. Uh, we've uh, the same as what's happened with New Zealand, really. Um, we've had to change everything that we'd had planned two months ago has changed almost week by week as uh, the world goes through and works through this challenging time. And I know that as a club, we're just really excited at the thought of getting back out 
you know, and playing some good footy again because it's, yeah, it's, it, we had the same as the AFL. We had one game and then our competition, Global Rapid Rugby, um, got suspended and then cancelled. You know, we played a lot of teams through Asia and the South Pacific and they're just not parts of the world that would be accessible. Uh, and then, yeah, it was kind of, you know, I didn't know too much about how the competition came to fruition, but it has. And, you know, we're really excited to be part of this for this year. And we don't know what's going to happen next year yet. I guess we kind of, you know, face that challenge or whatever happens when we get there and just really focus on doing an excellent job the next 10 or so weeks up to September. And hopefully you guys back in the UK can all become Western Force fans. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, just just keep your eye. I know Super Rugby in New Zealand coming back has, has been awesome, and for them to have crowds is unreal. You know, it's just good to see rugby back on the TV. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of happy people on on Saturday, isn't there? When it all kicked off, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, this this question is a, a regular on the podcast, and it's what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach? Uh, yeah, so being kind of uh, new to full-time senior roles and having spent a lot of time working with developing an academy athlete. So and kind of uh, just put together a couple of thoughts on what uh, young coaches or upcoming coaches can do to, to make the most of that transition, how to get there. And um, it's kind of a couple of things that I've already mentioned is, is just knowing more about who you are as a person. There's so many SNC coaches now that it's a really swamp market and, uh, we all know the same things, essentially. Uh, it's how you deliver that is the, what's going to make the difference. How you develop rapport with other players, but also letting them see what you're about and how you're going to add to their week. Because um, being a professional sportsman, is, it's, it is a tough job, you know, and, and being a professional coach is a tough job as well. So if you can let your guard down and and be genuine it's the relationship there is only going to be um, enhanced by that um, and one of the things that I'm really working on at the moment is to stop asking questions that end in yeah good um, <laughs> good is essentially a full stop so I was like how are you doing oh yeah good you know that's nothing we've learned nothing there so we're trying to find questions that avoid the answer yeah good um, other things uh, would be find a mentor. Find a mentor. It's, uh, people love helping people. So if you've got someone who you think you know, you know well enough to ask to be a mentor, but are a bit unsure about it, just pull the trigger. The worst thing they'll say is no. Um, and that for me has been huge. This first six months, my mentor has been you know, someone to just steer the ship and say, hey, that's, you know, that's a good idea or dial back on these things you know think of how your training week looks think of how your whole next couple of months are going to play out so um yeah that's that would be the second point and um the other last one would be to to not over coach so when these roles when you get into these kind of full-time senior snc roles and it's all exciting and shiny and new and you want to show that you can add value and uh, it'd be quite easy to just you know, you could put a glass eye to sleep, you talk that much, that kind of thing. But don't overcoach. Only tell them exactly what you want to see. I think that's a Nick Winkleman 
um, uh, point is just only tell them what you want to see when you're doing the drills, nothing else. Not, oh, don't do this, don't do that. No, this is my cue, bang, it's in. And it, it gives them confidence that you know what you're looking for. You know what bad movement looks like, you know what good movement is, and you cue effectively. So they would be my three, uh, my top three tips for coaches who want to, who are thinking about making the jump or trying to find their first S and uh, full time senior S and C role. Uh, that's great stuff. And then, are there any uh, books or resources you'd recommend? And and you know, like you kind of mentioned before, kind of out, maybe outside of uh, S and C kind of text as well. Yeah. So um, the Nassim Taleb is uh, he did Black Swan Theory, and he did a book called Anti Fragile. Uh, and that it's not an easy read, but if you can understand some of the concepts from that book and how stress is actually good for people in certain and how you manage stress and how it can be uh, good for people is an awesome book. Uh, Tom Farrow put me onto that. He's, he's a, he's an SNC coach that I would recommend you go and have a look at some of the things he does. Um, is he the England sevens? Yeah. Yeah. The, he, uh, he's an absolute legend. He's an awesome guy. He's like Yoda. Uh, he's, he's someone I'd always, I'd always turn to for um, kind of philo philosophical questions. He's very well read. So, um, you know, I'm pumping his tyres up here. So <laughs> go, go and have a chat with him. Um, again, I know he's been a previous guest of yours, Nick Winkleman, uh, just with how he coaches, some of his queuing stuff. He's got a new, you know, there's, there's lots of good content from him out there uh, about how language you use and how it impacts performance i feel like that's something that perhaps we can overlook as coaches is like if, if what you say can improve performance by 10 percent and you've not had any kind of uh training cost well why don't we just do more of that yeah yeah, yeah. And, and the other one would be pete carroll he he to, if you're thinking about how to develop uh your philosophy or your coaching how you coach and what you're about as a coach, that would be some uh, coach that I'll start with. I think it's at the Seattle Seahawks. He's, he's awesome. No, cool, great advice. And um, uh, another new newish question on the podcast is, what should I have asked you that I haven't? Is there anything that um, you think you could elicit some good information? Um, do you know what, I think that's been a, a very thorough uh, chat. I just... I, what I would say is if there's anything in here that uh, people listening wish I'd have covered more or don't agree with me, or if there's anything uh, they'd like to know more about is just always reach out and get in touch. Like I said, uh, people love helping people and um, I am a person, so I am no exception. And I'd, I'd love to try and um, that's, that's part of my development as a coach is, is trying to, you know, find other coaches that, that may need my help. So um, yeah, I'm not big on Instagram, so you can find me on there, but I'll probably just give you my email. So, yeah, yeah I was, that's what I was, my next question is where can people learn more about you? <laughs> oh, there we go. Look, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how good is that? And um, yeah, so I'm on Insta, it's uh, Spenny, <laughs> I know creative, right? S P E N N double underscore. Uh, so you can find me on there. I, you can, I think you can still find me on Facebook. I'm not sure, but really e either of those, just shoot me a message uh, with any questions people might have. And yeah, zoom call, we'll find a way to get in touch. Not like you won't find, um, 
con like drill or content on there it's probably just pictures of me at the beach so as interesting as that is i'm sure it's not what the listeners want to see um yeah <laughs> so if there's anything that's uh snc based shoot me a message on there and i'll try and help out where i can oh, that's cool and of course we'll share links to that in the in the show notes but um yeah just to just to finish up spencer thanks so much for your time great great talking to you um and all the best i know you you kick off the season in early july so all the best for that and we'll be looking out for and yeah we'll probably all be western force fans so <laughs> Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. No, it's been an absolute pleasure being on. Uh, yeah, I've listened to this podcast a few times. So to be asked on here is a massive pri uh, privilege. So, yeah, just stoked, stoked to be on, mate. Thanks for having me. That's great. And, and uh, you know, your first podcast, how did you feel it went? Happy? Uh, a bit of a bit wobbly at the start, I'll be honest, but I think I found my groove as we got going. Um, yeah, you did well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did well. It was good. No, it's great talking to you. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Great stuff. Thanks, Spencer. Great to talk to you. Tons of great information there. And great to hear a, a Brit abroad doing well, especially down under in Australia. Um, re really good insights from that. So thanks and all the best for the future at Western Force Go Well. Um, and of course, guys, please subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, whatever you use for your podcasts. And of course, give us a five-star review. Keep checking us out on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And, of course, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Um, we think the best online strength and conditioning program for rugby. We also offer online coaching if you want a more bespoke one-on-one -on -one approach. And even you can have a physio consult with an expert rugby physio who's currently working in uh, rugby league uh, with Catalan Dragons. He can assess you online and give you good treatment advice um, you know, not many people can get access to a physio of Rob's caliber. So check it out. All of that at rugbyrenegade.com. More podcasts on the way, guys. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.